and welcome to the Swing for the Fences podcast. My name is Andrew Shapiro. As always, coming to you from my apartment here in Manhattan. It is Wednesday, February 17th. And on today's podcast, we're going to talk some NFL sleepers. You know, it's kind of a, a downtime in the sports calendar. The, the Super Bowl obviously is over. Baseball hasn't started yet. You know, we're in the middle of the NBA and NHL season. So it's a little bit of downtime. I thought it would be a, a great time to kind of look ahead. Make some reckless predictions, identify a couple teams, one on, in the AFC and one in the NFC, that might surprise some people next year. And, and to be clear, these are not Super Bowl picks. I'm, I'm not going to be that um, that foolish to pick the Super Bowl winners at this point. I'm just picking teams, one from each conference, that I think are going to surprise some people, that I think are sleepers, that I think are your hidden gems as well. So we're going to cover the AFC first, then we'll go to the NFC. We're going to use process of elimination, so eliminate all of the teams in the AFC until we're down to one, do the same process for the NFC. And what we'll have at the end of this is two sleeper teams that you should look out for for next season in the NFL. All right, let's get into it. We're going to start with the AFC, like I said. And the first thing we need to do if we're going to go through this process of elimination, um, you know, kind of way of thinking about this, we're going to eliminate the teams that are too obvious to be sleepers. So that means division winners from last season. That means, you know, perennial playoff teams that are always in contention to win the AFC. So that's going to eliminate the Chiefs, the Steelers, the Bills, who were the two seed last year, the Titans and Colts, who were always in the mix and both made the playoffs. And then the Ravens, who two years ago, number one seed last year, okay, they, they stepped back a little bit, but still you'll count them as kind of a perennial playoff contender. Those are the six teams that are going to be eliminated. On the flip side of the coin, we need to eliminate the teams that are just too much of a long shot. You know, it's not going to be the smartest sleeper pick if you just pick a team that's so far away from contention. That eliminates the Jaguars with the number one pick in the draft, the Jets, the Bengals, and then the Texans, you know, who are, are dealing with a lot of internal problems, especially considering are they going to trade Deshaun Watson? It would be dumb to pick them as a sleeper before, you know, if if Watson's going to even be on the team, and that team really has a lack of talent, even if he stays there. So between the the six playoff contenders, perennial playoff contenders, and the four long shots, we've already eliminated 10 teams. That leaves us only with six teams left to consider. And we're going to go through them one by one, and I'll explain to you why we're kind of eliminating that. First up, let's talk about the, the AFC West, a couple teams in the AFC West the Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders. The Broncos I'm eliminating here because their quarterback situation is not good enough. You know, I think they have a really strong defense. They're going to get Von Miller back. Defensively, they were fine last year. But you look at this team, you know, Drew Locke, I don't think is the answer. I don't think he showed anything over the last two seasons to say he's a long-term option at quarterback. I think the the weapons that they have, maybe you can talk yourself into them. You know, Corlin Sutton missed almost the entire season last year. Jerry Judy shows some flashes, but I don't think that their weapons are, are ready enough yet. So, you know, their coaching, Vic Fangio, is also kind of a weakness there. So if you're kind of a Broncos fan, I think you're one or two seasons away. Um, not yet. Just from the offensive side of the football, especially not enough there in terms of talent to pick as a sleeper. With Vegas, I think there are huge holes in this roster. They've been they've been mediocre the last couple of years. Like they've been around the seven and nine, eight and eight range. But is, is Carr your quarterback that's really going to put you over the top? You know, Do you have the weapons on the outside? Not really. I mean, if Nelson Aguilar is your best offensive weapon, maybe that's a problem. Obviously, they have Jacobs as a running back, but I'm more talking about throwing the football in a pass-heavy league. I don't think they have the weapons on the outside. 
They have Darren Waller, but besides him, it's it's a lot left to be desired. And the defense was also really bad last year. Um, not many playmakers on that side of the ball. So again, Vegas, Broncos, two AFC West teams, I'm going to disqualify Not a sleeper. The Browns, a playoff team last year, but I had to put them as a sleeper candidate just because they're the Browns and they have a tortured history. So it would be it would be really bad to, to point them in the direction of, you know, they're, they made the playoffs, so they're too good to be a sleeper. I, I think that's giving them a little bit too much credit. But on the flip side, they're not going to be a fun sleeper pick. So they, they made this group of who was left to consider as one of my last cuts, but I think too much talent. I think it's it's it would be a disappointment to call them a sleeper. You think about Odell coming back, you think about Landry, Baker Mayfield taking a step forward, really well-coached team with Stefanski, a lot of talent on the defensive side of the football with Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. This team is actually too talented to be your sleeper. They're not quite the perennial playoff contender, but too talented to be a sleeper, so they're a cross-off. And then finally, we'll cover two teams with the NFC, uh, the AFC East. The Patriots, I, I can't call a sleeper just because of their the dominance they've had over this entire century. I know they had a disappointing year last year, but but can't call them a sleeper. And, and even if I wanted to, I don't think that they have the talent offensively to compete. I don't think Cam Newton will be back, so who's going to be their quarterback? Even if they get a quarterback, who is he throwing to? Who are your receiving options? Not much to, to pick out from there. Um, obviously, you have the, the, the best coach of all time in Belichick, so they're going to be competitive. But on the one hand, two reasons to disqualify them, like I said, feels awkward calling them a sleeper just because they've been so good in recent history. And then offensively, there's a, a huge scarcity of talent there. So the Patriots cross off. The Dolphins would be probably the media darling pick going into the next season just because they really improved um, last season and you saw they were actually in the playoff picture for, for a majority of the year. I just think that there's a lot of questions around Tua. Can Tua be the answer at quarterback? Um, I also Maybe this is the contrarian to me. I don't like picking the team that I think the everyone else is going to be picking. I think if you kind of check back in and look at the the, the possibilities when we're in the you know August September range when the season's about to start, and you're thinking about which teams all of the media experts and the and the predictors and the talking heads are going to select, I think the Dolphins will be a popular pick. So I'm going to be a little bit of a contrarian. I'm not going to pick the popular choice. I think the Dolphins have a lot of talent. You, know, you think about them getting the third pick in the draft this year, thanks to the, the trade with the Texans for Laramie Tunsil, and they're just going to add that number three pick to, to a pretty good foundation and a really good coach in Brian Flores. But I think that they're too, they're too popular, and there's questions about the quarterback, so the Dolphins are a cross-off. And that leads me to your hidden gem, your sleeper pick for the AFC, my favorite team to surprise some people, and that is the L.A. Chargers. For a few reasons, and I'll kind of go through the criteria that, that inform this decision. First of all, when I'm looking at teams, and I've, I've kind of referred to this throughout my analysis of the AFC, but you need to have premium talent in premium positions. Do you have a quarterback? Do you have a good receiver? Do you have an edge rusher? Do you have a good secondary? This is a pass-first league. Those are the positions, whether you see in the draft or free agency every season, those are the positions that are in most demand for NFL teams. And so if you're a team like the Chargers, or if you're a team that's going to be picked as the sleeper team, you need to have those positions covered. I think the Chargers do. You have Justin Herbert as your quarterback, a stud last season, offensive rookie of the year, really exceeded almost everyone's expectations, has a tremendous arm, really was fantastic. 
So you have your your young quarterback on a rookie deal, which provides you with a lot of flexibility to surround him with talent around the roster. Really important. At receiver, you have Keenan Allen, one of the best in the game. Edge rusher, Joey Bosa, can single-handedly destroy a game plan for any team that's playing against the Chargers. Secondary, you have Chris Harris and Casey Hayward, one of the best corner tandems in the league. You have Derwin James, a pro bowler during his rookie year the last two seasons, has been really hit by the injury bug, real bad luck in terms of long-term serious injuries. They're hoping to have him back healthy. If you add him as a playmaker in the secondary, we saw what he could do as a rookie. He's an all-pro in the secondary at safety. So for the Chargers, you have a lot of talent, and you have the talent in the most important positions on the field. That's criteria number one. Check that off. Next kind of bullet point of things that I'm looking for, what's your coaching situation like, and did you suffer from bad luck? In terms of bad luck in coaching, this team has found a way to lose close games in new and inventive ways and creative ways, you know, for the last two seasons. Going back to 2019, they lost nine games that were within one score. So eight points or less, the Chargers lost nine of those games. Then fast forward to last season, they went seven and nine overall. Seven of their nine losses were one score games. And again, you look at uh, one really good NFL writer that I follow is Bill Barnwell on ESPN. And during his season predictions at the beginning of each year, he kind of uses this as a metric of which teams are most likely to improve because records in one-loss games are not really sustainable year to year. There is some luck involved. So if you overperformed in one loss and 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 won a lot of these one-score games, then you might have the chance to regress to the mean. Your record might be worse. On the flip side, which is the Chargers case, if you have two straight years in which you've done horribly in one-score games, regression to the mean just says that you can't keep that, that, that streak of bad luck. That's not sustainable. They've had that two straight years, so maybe their luck turns around. Maybe you see that reflected in their win-loss record coming into next season. In terms of coaching, I think Anthony Lynn is not the only person to blame for those you know, one-score losses. But they've hired a new coach coming from uh, L.A., Brandon Staley. He's the defensive coordinator from the Rams, bringing them over, bringing him over to the Chargers. Unproven as a head coach, but, you know, it'll be hard to do worse than what Anthony Lynn did, you know, in the final two minutes in, in one score games that the Chargers ends up losing. So a little bit of uncertainty with the coaching situation, but you just look at their bad luck in one score games. That's bound to improve. You can't have a third straight year where you're losing seven and nine games within one score. It's just, it's just not sustainable, at least in my opinion. So check that off in terms of bad luck that's not sustainable and could lead you to turning your fortunes around. Next criteria, how's your division? And with the, the Chargers, I get that they have the Chiefs, who won the Super Bowl two years ago, made the Super Bowl again last year. But again, this exercise is not to identify the Super Bowl winner. I'm not saying that the Chargers are going to be better than the Chiefs. I just need to pick a team that's a sleeper that could surprise some people and make the playoffs. So if you go beyond the Chiefs, the rest of this division is mediocre. We've covered the Broncos. We've covered the Raiders already. Holes in each of those rosters, quarterback and coaching for the Broncos, just overall talent on defense and weapons and quarterback for the Raiders. So if you kind of put the Chiefs aside for the second, for a second, I think the Chargers are... are can, can really lay a stake as the second best team in this division. So their division should not be a huge problem. And then the last criteria that I look at when picking this, these sleepers, you know, by definition, these teams are going to have holes in their roster. 
That's why they're a sleeper and not a division winner. But is your hole in your roster addressable? Is it obvious? Is it relatively easy to upgrade? I think the Chargers definitely fit that description. The biggest hole in this roster, in my opinion, in terms of premium positions, is offensive line. And I didn't mention tackle. That's another premium position. You want someone to protect the blind side of Herbert. That's a weakness of this team, a relative weakness of this team. Lucky for them, they have the number 13 pick in the draft, and that's around the time where there are going to be tackles available, like Sean Slater, second-best offensive lineman in the draft out of Northwestern. He could play tackle. He could play guard. He could play center. So, again, if you're looking for a sleeper, they're going to have a hole in the roster. Is it addressable? Yes. For the Chargers, they have the number 13 pick. And they have a player. It's not a guarantee they're going to select Slater. But at least there's a player in that range who's available who's a clear upgrade for what you have. So it's addressable. It's a clear and obvious weakness. So the front office is going to make it a priority. The Chargers could also be in the mix for a free agency to, to sign offensive linemen that are available in free agency to upgrade you know, this, this clear weakness on the roster. So for all of those reasons, you know, we go process of elimination. I think the Chargers are my single favorite team, not just in the AFC. We're going to cover the NFC in a second. But they're my single favorite team of any of the 32 teams in the NFL to surprise people next year. Just because for the reasons I mentioned, you've got a lot of talent in the most positions, most important positions on the field. For the one position on the field that's really important where you don't have talent, offensive line, you have a clear path to address that need. Your division is mediocre beyond the Chiefs. You can't possibly have as much bad luck as you did last year. Not possible. So for these reasons, you know, and, and they're also a sleeper because, you know, they're the they're the second team in LA and there are a lot of, you know, low-hanging fruit jokes about does anyone even care about the Chargers since they moved from San Diego? So you got that question. You know, it's kind of been easy to make jokes about how the Chargers find ways to lose games. They're kind of like the Falcons of the AFC. They always find a way to lose games. I think if you just assume the Chargers are, continue, are going to continue to, to be that bad, I think you're missing a team that is hiding in plain sight that's going to be really fun to watch and that I think will surprise some people and, and, and I think will be a turnaround team next year. So that's your hidden gem for the AFC, the Los Angeles Chargers. And we'll move on to the NFC next, which was a much more difficult exercise because it's a, a lot less clear in terms of eliminating potential sleeper candidates. So here we go with the Chargers. We'll move on to the NFC next. All right, and now we're moving on to the NFC. And this was much harder. Just because I think there's a lot more parity in the NFC compared to the AFC. So crossing teams off was much more difficult. Um, I didn't have any long shots in the NFC that were disqualifiers, which made the exercise harder. So we'll we'll just get into it. We'll cross off you know, the division winners again and the perennial playoff teams, just like we did with the AFC. We'll cross them off in the, in the NFC just to get a couple teams out of the way. So that disqualifies the Seahawks, the Rams the Packers, who were the number one seed last year. The Saints, I know that there's some uncertainty about Drew Brees, who's the quarterback still. They've been a top two or three seed division winner, wild card team for what seems like forever, at least in the last decade. They're a cross-off. And the Bucks, you can't have the reigning Super Bowl champion, obviously is not a sleeper. That eliminates five teams. You'll notice that there are still two playoff teams that I could not eliminate as 
uh, eliminate from the sleeper conversation. You can't eliminate the Bears. The Bears are not good enough to escape this conversation. The Washington football team, not good enough to escape the conversation around sleepers. So even if you're a playoff team in the NFC, they're bad enough teams that, that you know, even if you made the playoffs, you know, you still have to be considered in the conversation for sleeper. But anyway, that eliminates five teams. The long shots, you know, in the AFC, they were clear teams that are just too far away. It can't be a sleeper yet. The Jaguars, Jets, Bengals, Texans, too far away. AFC, very clear. NFC, I maybe I'm being generous. I could not find any long shots. Where teams like, like if you saw a team in the NFC make the playoffs where you would be shocked out of your mind, you know, just looking at the, the teams from, from last year in terms of records, the worst team by record in the NFC was the Falcons, who were actually pretty frisky last season, especially when they made you know the coaching change. They actually gave some teams some trouble. They they lost some some winnable games, you know, one being you know the the tragic uh, loss against the Cowboys with the onside kick and everything like that. So that was early on in the season. So even the Falcons who were four and twelve, you can't be shocked based on the talent on that team of like if they made the playoffs. So there are no long shots in the NFC, which made this exercise really difficult. So let's let's go through who's left. And it's gonna take a little bit of time. So so you know stick with me here. The entire NFC East we need to consider because this entire team, this entire division is going to be in contention because the the division winner, as we saw last year, the division winner automatically makes the playoffs. So so by definition, if all of these teams are grouped together in the NFC East, none of them can be eliminated from being a sleeper. Now, let's go one by one. The Eagles, complete question mark for quarterback, rumored to be trading Carson Wentz. Are they going to draft someone? Are they going to trade for someone? Are they going to give the keys to Jalen Hurts? Although Doug Peterson thought that Hurts didn't deserve to finish the last game of the season last year for some reason on Sunday Night Football against the Washington football team. So I don't even know if he believes in Hurts. There's also just a lack of weapons on the offensive side of the football. This team has been looking for a receiver since they made it to the Super Bowl a few years ago. Haven't really found one. Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, I don't consider them sustainable receiving options. Zach Ertz is going to be a free agent. I don't think he's coming back. So who are your weapons on offense besides Miles Sanders? You have a huge question at quarterback. For me, that's enough. They weren't a long shot just because their division is so bad, but that's enough to cross off the Eagles as a sleeper. Okay, let's move on to the next team, the Cowboys. Everyone's going to say, oh, they're going to sign Dak. Fine. The offense was never the problem with this team. This team's defense is was terrible last year. And so I think for me, it's going to be – it's not a one-season, a one-off-season fix for that defense. It might take a year or two or three – to get that defense up to the same quality, up to the same kind of level of expectation of the offense to make this team more well-rounded. So I think the defense disqualifies Dallas. The New York Giants, my favorite team, the team that I root for. If I'm being honest, I can't put them as the sleeper. They over, they, they, I guess, overperformed expectations defensively. I think Leonard Williams has had a great season last year. They want to bring him back, but he's a free agent. You don't know if you're going to be able to bring him back. You know, James Bradbury was a great offseason signing. Blake Martinez, great offseason signing. That defense really overperformed last season. But offensively, there are some huge question marks. Is Daniel Jones the answer? Can he stay healthy enough to, to show us if he's the answer? And when he's on the field, 
can he stop turning the ball over with interceptions and fumbles? Uh, if he is the answer, can we protect him? Our offensive line, kind of a joke. We picked Andrew Thomas as the first offensive tackle in a draft full of great tackles, and it seems like he was the worst of the first-round tackles. So, you know, did we make the right selection there? And I'm saying we because I'm a fan of this team and, and I'm skeptical. So the offensive line is a question. You know, receiving, Golden Tate is going to be a, a cap casualty, allegedly going to be cut. So is Slayton and Sterling Shepard, who seems to be injured for multiple games every single season, is that a strong enough receiving core? Is Evan Ingram going to be back? There are some rumors that the Giants might draft Kyle Pitts, tight end out of Florida, as a replacement for Ingram. So it's just a lot of questions on the offensive side of the ball. Is Jason Garrett a good offensive coordinator is another ex- existential question. So I think this team, they, they were some... They were close to the division last year, but they still finished six and ten. I don't think they get the buzz that they got last year if they're in the NFC North or the South or the West. I think they got a lot of buzz last season because they were in the fight for the division because the division was so bad, not because they were actually a good team. So the Giants, for me, too many holes on offense, a cross off. The Washington football team was the hardest cross off for me when evaluating sleepers. They are my second favorite pick in the NFC, and that's because this defense. Is fantastic. The defense carried them last season. They're young. The defensive line is great, led by Chase Young, Defensive Rookie of the Year. I think only going to get better. You've got a franchise-caliber player on defense at a premium position of edge rusher. The defense is really good. I think the coaching is really good. I really like Ron Rivera. Inspiring story, recovering from cancer, obviously. But for me, <clears throat> again, it's hard to pick a sleeper if you have a real hole at quarterback is the most important position on the field. I know teams have made it far in the past with a mediocre quarterback for sure, but I think there's a difference between having a mediocre quarterback and having Alex Smith or Taylor Heineke as a quarterback. I think that's a step too far. And who knows? Again, this team you know, might trade for a quarterback. I, I don't know what their plan is. Unfortunately, because they won the division at 7-9, that actually put them further uh, back in the draft so that they're actually in like the high teens for the draft, which kind of puts them out of range for the first round quarterback options. You know, there are going to be four or five first round quarterbacks that right now, if you read mock drafts are, are slated to be drafted in the first round, starting obviously with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. But I think that those four or five quarterbacks are going to be picked before Washington gets to its draft selection. So by winning the division, they've actually put themselves out of range for upgrading the most the, the clear hole in their roster, which is quarterback through the draft. I'll also say that another reason that kind of caused me to cross them off as a sleeper, there's just a lot of messy things going on within this organization. Um, change the team name as they should, but there's some consternation there of, of what the future is with your, your team name and your logo. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, problems with the front office and with the ownership group where the minority owners are suing Dan Snyder, the owner of the Redsk- of, of, of the Washington football team. There are a lot of articles being written in the Washington Post last season about a toxic workplace environment and culture in this organization. For me, there's just a lot going on off the field that would be a huge distraction and that would take away from me being confident of picking this team as a sleeper. Big hole at quarterback. Never a good sign if your owners are suing each other. Never a good sign if you have a toxic work environment. I think that's enough to disqualify them. But they were a hard team 
They were my second favorite choice to pick as a sleeper in the NFC. So we've crossed off the entire NFC East. Moving on to the South, where we already eliminated the Saints and the Bucks. That only leaves the Falcons and the Panthers. These two teams, for the Falcons, a lot of talent offensively. Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. But those latter two guys are getting up in age. There are some rumors that they're trying to draft a quarterback to replace Matt Ryan. So it kind of sounds like they're they're in rebuilding mode. And this defense has been horrible since they made the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Horrible. So they've been horrible for two or three seasons. I think it's it's a multi-year rebuild of this defense to get some talent. Too big of a hole on defense. Uncertainty about the future of your franchise quarterback. I, I don't like the fit there in terms of picking them as a sleeper. For the Panthers, you know, similar situation. Um, talent on offense, they'll get McCaffrey back, which should definitely help them. But Curtis Samuel is a free agent. You know, I think I like DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson as your receiving options. But again, this defense, a lack of talent. Um, this team was definitely in rebuilding mode heading into last season. I think it's expecting a little bit too much of them to, to pick them as a playoff team this year. You know, rumors about them moving on from Teddy Bridgewater, who I thought was fine last year, but I guess is not your franchise quarterback. He's more of like a placeholder. So if you don't know where you're moving with your quarterback, you have a, a defense that is young that you need to kind of revamp. Again, I don't like them as a sleeper. Let's move on to the NFC North. The Bears didn't pick up Trubisky's option. If they re-sign him, I think there will be a riot in Chicago. And I don't like him as the quarterback. Again, there's a theme here with all these teams in the AFC and NFC. If you have uncertainty around your quarterback or a really bad quarterback option, that's the first strike for me. Cross you off. It's just an easy way. It's the most important position. It's asking your team so much to do so much if they need to carry you when you don't have a good quarterback who can at least contribute, at least be a net positive. You don't have to be at the level of Patrick Mahomes, but at least don't be a, a negative, a, t- a, a quarterback that's being an anchor for your team. You know, I look at I look at the Bears, and that's exactly what they've had. They've had a really good defense. Khalil Mack is still on this roster. But you look at the fact that like Allen Robinson allegedly can't get out of Chicago fast enough. He's a free agent. He's not even considering coming back. You know, the, the, the good wide receiver for them, he's not even considering going back to Chicago. That should tell you all you need to know about the fact that, you know, they don't have a lot of weapons, especially if Allen Robinson leaves. And just the quarterback situation is really, really frustrating. Is it Foles? Is it Trubisky? Are they going a third route? So there's more upheaval. Uh, is Nagy the, the coach, the right coach to bring the most out of whichever quarterback they have? So too much uncertainty with the most important position. You're losing your best receiving option by far. I don't like it for the Bears. The Vikings, I think if we, if this podcast is still going at this time next year, knock on wood, it's still a thing next year. I think the Vikings could be my pick next year for this exercise. I just think they're one year away. You know, in terms of offensively, you have the one of the best receiver tandems in football with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, a top two or three running back in the entire NFL. But defensively, this team went through a lot of change last year. And I think, again, they're one year away defensively. I think there's also questions about, you know, Kirk Cousins paying him a ton of money for some mediocre play. I think that was a mistake for them. If we just evaluate Kirk Cousins' tenure with the Vikings, big picture, um, definitely made some playoff appearances for them, for sure. But is he the kind of quarterback that's really going to win you a Super Bowl? I don't think so. This exercise is not to pick a Super Bowl winner. I'm just saying, big picture, 
I think Cousins' tenure has been disappointing. I think if you're picking a sleeper, he makes me kind of uneasy, where there are definitely worse quarterbacks than Kirk Cousins, but if you don't have a good defense like the Vikings don't, you're going to need your offense to carry you. If you're going to need your offense to carry you, you're going to need a a fantastic quarterback. I don't think Cousins meets that description. I don't want to pick the Vikings, but come back to me a year from now. They might be a popular pick for the 2022 season in terms of sleeper breakouts. So we're crossing off the Vikings. And then the Lions, maybe I'm being a little generous by not counting them as a long shot. I just think that people were picking them going into last season as kind of a sleeper. It didn't work out. I think that there were some real problems if you read some of the articles about Matt Patricia and his coaching staff and how he tried to instill the Patriots way and blah, 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 and be like a a taskmaster and a general. I think it's really hard to do if you're not Bill Belichick, if you don't bring that resume of success. So it seems like they might just have a fresh start with Dan Campbell, unproven as a head coach, but seems to be a completely, you know, Maybe not completely different from, from from Patricia. We'll see. It's kind of too early to tell what kind of coaching style he has. But at least you're not coming into the season with your players like outrightly disrespecting you, like they were doing for Patricia. So I think a change in culture, a change in you know front office leadership, a change in coaching could help this team. I think that Jared Goff is not as bad as everyone says he is. Um, but the fact that they traded Stafford for Goff and a bunch of picks kind of tells you that they might be in rebuild mode. And so just if the if the outlook of the organization is to acquire draft picks, get some young talent, kind of revamp the the roster, then it's hard to pick them as a sleeper. Like I don't want to pick a sleeper when the own the the team doesn't believe in itself to compete. So that would be a tough sell. So let's cross off the lines just because I think their timeline, it's a little soon to pick them as a sleeper just on based on you know some of their moves that they've made. So that leaves us, it's been a long, long exercise for the NFC, but that leaves us with two teams left, and they're both in the NFC West. And I'm going to cross off the Cardinals, and bear with me here, because they they showed some flashes last season, for sure. At at some at one point, it was definitely in the mix for the playoffs. Finished 8-8, eight and eight, which was kind of disappointing based on their exciting start. We all remember the Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins. I just feel like this team is disappointing. You know, when you talk about the the air raid offense and, and pairing Kingsbury with Kyler Murray, and then they trade for Hopkins, the Texans drop Hopkins in the lap of the Arizona Cardinals, a godsend. Can't cannot believe how fortunate they were to get arguably the best receiver in football to pair with Kyler Murray. Really exciting, right? And then you watch these Cardinals games, and I know they put up points, but like the air raid offense, a lot of short passes, a lot of like button hook routes for DeAndre Hopkins, a lot of out routes, a lot of times where they just completely ignore him because he they put him on the left side of the field. DeAndre Hopkins does not move around the formation. He sticks to the left side. And there are times where Kyler just kind of ignores that entire side of the field. And yes, they'll hit the occasional bomb to Isabella or Christian Kirk or whoever it is. I just felt underwhelmed. Like I really kind of, maybe my expectations were too high, but I picked the Cardinals as kind of my favorite red zone team in terms of checking in on them being a neutral follower kind of hopping on the bandwagon for the cardinals their offense kind of left me cold at times not really as exciting as you know the air raid offense would make you believe i think they've got holes on defense as well a couple playmakers buda baker one of the best safeties in the nfl um but they're gonna they might lose Hassan riddick who is their best best edge rusher 
Isaiah Simmons, their first-round pick from last year, showed signs. Still questions about what kind of position he plays. Does he play linebacker? Does he play safety? Is he a tweener? There's a concern there. So defensively, they made strides last season. But I think the defense is still not as talented, not as good as it would like to be. Com- combine that with, with Cliff Kingsbury, where there are some serious questions about his coaching ability. You know, well, we shouldn't really be surprised. I mean, this is a guy who struggled as a head coach in college, was about to, to take an offensive coordinator job in college, and then was all of a sudden h- hired, you know, by the Cardinals as this offensive genius. You know, what a shocker. This guy couldn't win in college, and we expect him to be a winning coach in the NFL. There is going to be some some struggles there. So I have my question questions when it comes to Kingsbury. First of all, is this offensive genius, just based on the fact that this air raid is not as impressive as I thought it would be. And second of all, it's not just that he's, you know, as a head coach, you can't just focus on one side of the ball. You can delegate for sure. Get your defensive coordinator. Delegate, definitely. That's what Sean McVay does, for example, with the Rams. It's not like he's the defensive coordinator of that team. But still, you need to be able to lead the overall team as the head coach. You need to be able to to have good time management skills as well. I think there is something left to be desired when it comes to Kingsbury. So the Cardinals are crossed off for me. Questions on coaching. Questions on defense. Questions on whether they're really maximizing the talents of Hopkins and Murray. And really kind of living up to our own expectations when it comes to pounding their chests about this air raid offense. So Cardinals are a cross off. Now, that leads me to the hidden gem for the NFC, your sleeper pick for next year for the NFC. Only one team left, and that's the San Francisco 49ers. And my first initial reason, just to give you an, an idea of my thought process of why picking this team, they're two years removed from the number one seed in the NFC, number one or number two seed, I don't remember, but a top two seed in the NFC and a Super Bowl appearance where they actually played the Chiefs pretty well. They had a lead against the Chiefs. If Garoppolo completes that pass to Emmanuel Sanders down the field, the 49ers win the Super Bowl. And so you're two years removed from that. And I get it because of the draft, because of free agency, because of trades. You know, NFL rosters, there's a lot of upheaval year to year. I'm not saying that this is the same roster from two years ago, but you can't ignore the fact two years removed from a number, a top two seed, a Super Bowl appearance where they sh- they arguably should have or at least were in a very good position to win the Super Bowl. Can't ignore that. So recent history is in their favor in terms of having the infrastructure, the front office, the coaching, a lot of the same players where you don't suddenly become a horrible team when you're so closely removed from having that level of success. So that's my first kind of initial reaction of why the 49ers made sense in terms of being a sleeper. Two years removed from a Super Bowl appearance, finished last in their division, 6-10 and 10 last year. If you're overlooking this team, I think you're making a mistake. And so we'll go through the same criteria that we did for the Chargers. First of all, do you have premium talent in premium positions? I think a receiver, Debo Samuel, premium talent. George Kittle, not a receiver, but in terms of a a pass catcher. In a pass-first league, do you have a pass catcher who's great? George Kittle definitely fits that description. One of the best tight ends in football, arguably the best. If you want to put Travis Kelsey up there, fine. 
top two tight end in football. Trent Williams, free agent, but they're expected and hoping, I would hope, that they would expect to bring him back. He was great as their left tackle last season. If they re-sign him, that's a premium all-pro player at left tackle, which is a premium position. Edge rusher, you have Nick Bosa. Again, a Bosa brother. We talked about Joey Bosa with the Chargers. Nick Bosa now with the 49ers. Huge talent off the edge. Eric Armstead, another great defensive lineman. Premium talent in a premium position, defensive line. Okay, how's your coaching and how's your luck? Coaching-wise, Kyle Shanahan is one of the best offensive masterminds in the NFL. Now, they lost Robert Sala. He's He was the defensive coordinator. He's now the head coach of the Jets. That's going to be a hole to fill for sure. But it's a good start when you have Kyle Shanahan, one of the best offensive minds, right up there with Sean McVay, in my opinion, one of the best offensive coaching minds in the entire NFL, a great place to start from a coaching standpoint. Okay. How's your luck? Let's just look at the at the at the record first. Six and ten last year. Five of those ten losses were within one score. So again, we talked about it with the Chargers. It's not sustainable to have bad luck in one score games year to year. We've seen that there is some regression to the mean. Just in the way that the Chargers might regress to the mean, I think the 49ers will as well. If five out of their ten losses were by one score and they're competitive in all of these games. I see that as a reason to think that their record might inch up next year. Next part of your bad luck, injuries. Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, D. Ford, Richard Sherman, Debo Samuel, Jimmy Garoppolo, their offensive line, all injured last season, missed huge chunks of time. This roster was riddled with injuries. There was a a two-game span. They played back-to-back games against the Jets and the Giants where just player after player went down. I, I didn't even mention George Kittle. Player after player went down with injuries, and they blamed the turf at MetLife Stadium in terms of getting their cleats stuck in the turf. But these were not just like, like temporary injuries where they sat out a series. These were season-ending ending injuries, or at least injuries where they missed multiple games at a time. So really bad luck when it came to injuries, and yet despite having all of that bad luck with injuries, again, Five losses within one score game. So Shanahan kept this team competitive despite having so many injuries to so many key players. So bad luck is 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 destined to turn around in terms of injuries and also your record in one score games. How's your division? This is the this is the worst part of picking the 49ers as a sleeper, just because the NFC West might be the best division in all of football, the most competitive in all of football. But I would argue that the teams in the NFC West have holes right? Again, we're not picking the team to win the Super Bowl. Just can you surprise some people? Can you make the playoffs? The Seahawks, clear holes on defense. One of the worst defenses in the league, at least at the first half of the season. Now I know Jamal Adams, hopefully they're, you know, they're hoping to resign him, but still, even with him, horrible defensively. There's a lot of rumors about Russell Wilson coming around now. Is he he unhappy in Seattle? That's something that they're going to have to monitor. So Make sure your franchise quarterback stays and that defense is terrible. Clear flaws with Seattle. We just talked about the Cardinals. Flaws on defense, flaws in coaching. So I get that the NFC West is competitive, but there are teams that have flaws. And the 49ers made the Super Bowl two years ago in the same division. It's not like they switched divisions. 
And two years ago, this division was arguably just as competitive as it is going to be heading into this season. So when the 49ers made the Super Bowl, they still had to play really difficult teams in their division, and that didn't stop them from a top two seed in a Super Bowl appearance. So the division is going to be tricky, but I don't think it's a reason to not pick them. Another part of this is that the 49ers finished last in their division at 6-10, and 10, and in order to encourage parity, the NFL has this rule about making the schedule where a last-place team will play a last-place schedule. Basically what that means is that outside of your division, if you finish in last in your division, your non-division opponents are going to be easier by win-loss record than if you won your division. So the 49ers, in terms of their out-of-division, their non-NFC West opponents are going to have easier opponents than the Seahawks, the Rams, or the Cardinals would. Next kind of criteria. You obviously will have a hole in your roster if you're a sleeper. Is it addressable? I would say yes. I think they're secondary for the 49ers. They have a lot of free agents, so a lot of holes to fill. But again, through the draft, they have the number 12 pick, and that's going to be around the range where there are going to be a bunch of cornerback options. Patrick Sertan, Caleb Fairley, uh, J.C. Horn, three premium quarter cornerbacks, all expected to be available in that range. So even if one or two of them gets picked earlier than expected, chances are the 49ers will have a cornerback fall into their laps. So again, clear weakness, your secondary, a lot of free agents. Is there a way for you to easily address it? Yes, through the draft. And then finally, the, the only other argument for not picking the 49ers is their quarterback situation. I get it. You know, I've been railing about how quarterbacks are the single easiest reason to cross someone off as a sleeper. I don't think Garoppolo is as bad as everyone thinks. This is the same guy who was good enough. Again, I keep saying it. But this team made the Super Bowl two years ago, and it was at Garoppolo as their quarterback. He was fine. He was good enough. He was not a net negative. He missed some big throws in that game, but he was enough to get them there. And again, we're just talking about is the quarterback good enough to make, to bring your teams to the Super Bowl, to, to the playoffs, excuse me, excuse me. Is your quarterback good enough? to bring your team to the playoffs and to surprise some people. I think Garoppolo is fine. I think Shanahan is a good enough offensive mastermind to bring him along. And if they decide to cut Jimmy G, you look at the talent on this roster, you look at kind of the players in their prime here, I don't think the 49ers are just going to sit back and twiddle their thumbs and go with Nick Mullins. You look at kind of how John Lynch is as a general manager, how that front office operates, they are pretty aggressive. I think that they identify the fact that this team made the Super Bowl two years ago, which means that they have a little bit of a window here where they can be really competitive based on the talent on their roster. So if Jimmy G is the option, I think he's okay. I think he's good enough. If he's not, <clears throat> if he's not, I think that this front office is aggressive enough to find a solution there. So that's your hidden gem for the NFC, the 49ers, Premium talent and premium positions. A lot of injuries last year that were bad luck that you can't possibly expect them to have the same bad injury luck this year. Holes in the division, and they're going to have the easiest schedule of anyone in that division. And then a clear and obvious area to upgrade secondary. Fortunately, you're going to have three really good options around the 12th pick to upgrade that secondary. And then a quarterback situation where you have the coaching, you have the front office to either maximize your current option or improve it in a different way. So that was much harder than the AFC. Um, 
But again, the 49ers, if you're looking for a team that's going to surprise some people that people might be sleeping on, why not pick the team that was good enough just two seasons ago, just two seasons ago, to make it all the way to the Super Bowl? That's it for the NFC. We'll wrap it up next. All right, guys, that's been your episode for the Spring for the Fences podcast on this Wednesday, February 17th. Talking about NFL sleepers. Hope you enjoyed the conversation and kind of the it was, it was, I thought it was really fun to kind of go process of elimination, you know, eliminate the, the, the teams that are too obvious, too good to be a sleeper, the teams that are too bad to be a sleeper, looking at you, Jacksonville, and the New York Jets, um, and then kind of going team by team of who was left and thinking about who is most likely to be a sleeper and surprise some people next year. Just a fun exercise. You know, maybe I'm completely wrong. I know a lot's going to change once free agency kind of gets going, once we learn about the draft and which, which teams got which players through the draft. There may be some trades involved with with the draft as well. There are also some big time players of, you know, on the move. Is is you know Deshaun Watson staying in Houston? If he's not, that could definitely change the conversation of who's a sleeper and who's not, who's a playoff team, and who's not. So a lot to be determined before all that happened. I just thought it was kind of a fun exercise. Again, during kind of a downtime in the sports calendar, why not look ahead? And so my hidden gems for this episode: your sleepers. For the NFL, the LA Chargers and the San Francisco 49ers, both California teams did not mean it to be that way. Both teams that have a Bosa brother on the defensive line did not mean it to be that way. But both your hidden gems of this episode and your sleepers for next NFL season. Hope you enjoyed it. Talk to you guys again soon. Peace. (music) 